Hello everyone. Welcome to the episode 1 of podcast series Venture Journey. I'm your host Abhinav Singhvi and today we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Daryl Pinto. Daryl, thank you for your time and being here with me today. To introduce Daryl, he is the vice president of Canadian Venture Capital and Private Equity Association headquartered in Toronto. Daryl takes care of all the research and industry advancements at CVCA. and is known in the industry for setting his milestone by b hacks big hairy audacious goals a very unique way of setting milestones daryl has held multiple leadership positions at companies like toronto stock exchange thomson reuters and many more today we have a very hot topic in front of us evolution of canadian venture capital and private equity ecosystem daryl lately we can see lot of actions happening in multiple sectors and technologies Would you like to share some insights with us? Sure. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast, Abhinav. Uh, it's it's an honor to be your first uh, in the series that you're starting at Shulik. So good for you. Um, so let me give you some historical context because when I first started working in private capital, it was uh, more than a decade ago, and the industry looked very different uh, back then. it's evolved since it's matured but back then the fundamental difference between private capital and public markets and as you mentioned i also worked at the toronto stock exchange is that this is an asset class that requires much more heavy lifting from the investor perspective there's uh, not a lot of data available on these private company targets potentially uh, and the investments are much more risky so it takes a lot of experience takes uh, much more um, risk uh, from an investor standpoint and failure is just part of the equation you can't expect to hit uh, 100% batting average with the portfolio companies you invest in so knowing that it's a difficult asset class relative to public markets and i'm not saying public markets is an easy asset class to invest and make good ret- returns on but it relative on a relative basis is much harder so 10 years ago when i first entered the industry the Canadian industry was fairly young. Uh I would say we had our first generation of venture capital investors that were starting to learn the ropes with this asset class and the government was was very encouraging and was trying to uh allow the asset class to to start to grow roots and get a good foundation. So they in, they encouraged this uh concept called the labor sponsored venture capital fund. In essence, it was uh a tax break for the retail investor who wanted to put a single dollar into their retirement plan and for that single dollar they invested in a labor sponsored fund they would get an immediate significant tax break for that year so it was a it was a great incentive to bring money into the industry into the venture capital industry however for the billions of dollars it brought in The, the industry itself is not mature enough so spending that money wisely in terms of long term uh value long term return uh there were a lot of failures in that 7 to 8 year period and the realization was that because this is a harder asset class to invest in these investors who were investing on behalf of the, the retail investors you know made a lot of mistakes some of them survived and it was a great learning opportunity for them uh because they went on to form their own funds and the second generation funds third generation funds so it was a valuable experiment from the maturity of the industry but in many ways it was a failure if you look at it from the retail investor standpoint 
Today, fast forward 10 years, we have a, a much more experienced venture capital investor base here in Canada. Um, there's a lot more interaction with the US market than there was back 10 years ago. And I find that the quality of the due diligence that is being done and the quality of investments is much higher uh, than it was 10 years ago. Uh, the money is not as easily flowing into the industry back then compared to back then with the labor-sponsored tax incentive. Um, but the government has changed its approach into how it's supporting our industry. So now, rather than be direct investors through these labor-sponsored funds, they are intelligently deciding that they are going to seed capital into the industry and attract, allow the professional investors, the fund of funds like Kensington and Terralise and Northleaf, to then attract additional capital from institutional investors and governments and to be able to use that capital in the way that they know best. And because they are now experienced in this asset class, they are making much better investment choices than the government ever would back 10 years ago. Okay, so it's, it's, it's evolved and I, I see great signs of it being a very healthy industry. So over the last eight years, what we've seen is almost year over year increases in the amount of venture capital deployed every year. Uh, we've hit a few billion dollar quarters, which is very unusual in Canada. In fact, Q1 most recently was another billion dollar quarter in total investments deployed. So I'm quite optimistic for the future, uh, both in terms of the amount of capital available and two, for the experience and maturity of the investors in this space in Canada. Thank you for the insights. However, I do have one question here. Having spoken to various founders and VCs in Canada, there seems to be an obvious competition with the US. Even the founders believe that being in US sometimes would place them in a better position in terms of opportunity of business and access to capital. What are your thoughts on this? So that's a question I get asked quite frequently in terms of how we stack up in Canada versus the US. Uh, they're a much bigger market. They're 10 times the size of the economy of the Canadian market. And their venture capital industry on a relative basis is about 10 times the size of ours. Uh, so, and they've been at it much longer than us. Silicon Valley, going back 100 years, uh, was about the same state as we are now uh, in terms of its maturity. Uh, so if you take Silicon Valley out of the equation, because anywhere in the world, not, not just compared to Canada, it is a, a giant uh, in terms of its VC appetite and its VC uh, expertise. But if you take Silicon Valley out of the equation, Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal do stack up really well against other global cities in terms of encouraging venture capital. So I would, I would say that we are in a good place right now for startups and entrepreneurs relative to the rest of the world, excluding Silicon Valley. Um, one other point I would make about comparison with the US is that there, the geopolitical situation right now, ever since you know, Trump came into office, is making a lot of foreign investors very nervous about the, the riskiness of their asset class in venture capital or to some degree private equity in the US. The US has become very protectionist uh, with inflows of foreign capital coming in. So we're seeing a couple of things. We're seeing foreign investors, limited partners, think twice about the US or their current investments uh, either ingoing into the US or current investments in the US and they're looking to diversify and hedge against that geopolitical risk. 
So Canada is benefiting from that. We are seeing more foreign interest from limited partners into our Canadian funds here. Um, we're also seeing direct investments benefit in Canada from this fear about the political uncertainty in the U.S. We're also seeing entrepreneurs that are based in Silicon Valley that are not necessarily U.S. citizens, but also nervous about their quality of life and standard of living, and they are looking elsewhere. Canada is a natural place because we're so close to the U.S. The the infrastructure and the government support systems are very similar. Uh, the, the legal systems are, are easy to use. So we're seeing increasing interest from foreign entrepreneurs, from foreign limited partners in this asset class. So in this point in time, I would say that we're in a very good place, uh, given that the point I made earlier, our maturing investment manager uh, throughout uh, Canada are also able to raise the confidence of foreign investors that if you make an investment here, likely it's going to be a safe investment and the return, we're proving that you know, it does pay off. We probably uh, don't have the same number of companies as available in the US, but the quality is very high. Drilling down to bit specifics here, we can see Canada growing big in artificial intelligence. Radical Ventures recently launched a $350 million AI fund for Canada, led by Jordan Jacobs, the founder of Layer 6, which was acquired by TD Bank within 15 months. He is also an instrumental player in the founding of Vector Institute of Artificial Intelligence. With this fund and Jordan Jacobs leading the charge, where do you think the Canadian AI startups will be heading and competing with the startups in Silicon Valley and China? Yeah, so I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you for 100%, you know, 10 years from now, Radical Ventures, because you've mentioned them, is going to be a, a great success. I don't have a crystal ball, but I will tell you my view on what I see. So Radical Ventures is one expression of what's happening quite widely in the industry in terms of interest in AI. And that is got a, a good side and a bad side. Uh, on the positive side, it's great that that amount of capital is being allocated to one fund. With the level of expertise behind that, you know, these are people who are who have successfully uh, invested in, in a in a startup and exited successfully. So they know what it is to to run a startup um, and eventually uh, execute it to an exit. They know that experience. So I'm feeling very optimistic about the fact that they were able to raise as much as they did. So they're going to be able to scale and consolidate which is gonna be critical in this space. The downside in this space in AI, not necessarily related to Radical, is that there's a lot of interest uh, in investments in AI. I liken it back to the early 2000s when we had a lot of interest in the internet, the dot-com boom. What I was seeing back then is so much money coming into this space. Mining companies were changing their names to miningcompanies.com and they were automatically being able to raise a lot of funds. What is a similar pattern is what I see a lot of companies changing their, their domain names to .ai and all of a sudden they become legitimate, legitimatized in the space and they're able to raise capital very easily. I would say wait five years and see how much of this actually pans out. Now, there are going to be winners and losers and I think right now we're ripe for an exploration in the space where mistakes will be made but a lot of successful companies will emerge out of it. A few successful companies will emerge out of it. So I'm hedging my bets as to which ones are going to be winners, but Radical Ventures, since you mentioned them, are really well placed with that amount of capital to make some really intelligent bets. And when the consolidation wave happens in this space, and it will, 
they are also well placed to be able to have a very um, strong footprint in that consolidation game. Having spoken about consolidation, considering the recent geopolitical scenarios, China being isolated by the US and emergence of multipolar world, where do you see China and AI in the future given the fact they are far ahead in the curve of artificial intelligence and 5G technology today? So that's a, that's a really good forward-looking question. And I will caveat this answer by saying this is my view and not the view of the CBCA. Um, so when it comes to AI, um, there's a fundamental challenge that the Western world is dealing with in one way and China's dealing with in another way. And that's the, the, the challenge of privacy of data. Um, you know, here we, in the Western world, we take that more seriously. The individual whose data it is, has a lot more say into how that data is going to be used, um, whether they want to share that data or not. In China, uh, the landscape is very different in, in terms of the government does have 100% absolute control over that data to do what it wishes with, uh, sometimes arguably to the detriment of its own citizens. So that, I think, is giving China a little bit of an edge in terms of developing its AI talent, developing its AI technologies is because they have free reign uh, use of the data. Uh, here, if you're familiar with Sidewalk Labs, which is an experiment that we want to start here in, uh, in Toronto, uh, there's a lot of controversy around Sidewalk Labs in terms of the data that's going to be collected by Google, you know, who's going to be seeing it, how it's going to be used, and a lot of people are very nervous about this from a privacy standpoint. Um, I'm sure Sidewalk Labs will successfully launch at some point, but the discussion around the data use and the data privacy is fundamentally different than what's happening in China. Um, I don't know where we're going to go uh, five years down the road to see which system is going to win. Um, there, there has to be a negotiated balance between giving up some privacy in order to gain the advantages of AI, uh, but it can't be a complete uh, withdrawal from the rights of the citizen to say, this is my information and I, I want to be careful about how it's used. Uh, we hear some horror stories around the world as to how an individual's data can be used against them if it's not um, somehow uh, governed by some either, either law or, or body. And in, in China, there's some egregious examples of how that's been used against uh, their own citizens. So Abhinav, you had asked me at the very start about your impression about the trends in Canadian venture capital. And I will tell you, 10 years ago, I, I would never have a uh, MBA student uh, from any university uh, calling me up to ask about trends. So this conversation is symptomatic of the, the amazing things that are happening in this country in venture capital. Uh, we have young people far more interested in the asset class. And my question for you is, I mean, this is the first podcast of a series that you're starting, so good for you. Um, and, you know, you've been elected uh, president of the BC Club at Schulich. So what's your ambition with this? Where do, you, where do you want to see this go over time? Thank you, Darrell, for all the insights. I wasn't really expecting this, but that's a great question. What I have learned at Schulich is that MBA is about learning from the experiences. More often than not, news articles don't give us a broader perspective of the experts or the authors. Through this podcast series, which is very special to me, I intend to open up the conversation with the industry experts on the other side of the table, which will provide a deeper understanding on the corporate developments that are happening around the globe. And this will benefit not just me, but also the audiences at large, 
So I hope to get the best outcome from this and also thank experts like yourself for all the support in my initiative. With this, I would like to thank our guest Daryl once again and conclude the episode 1 of my podcast series Venture Journey. Stay tuned for further updates.